Hey, Derek here. My pronouns are he, him, his. I'm behind on getting the audio commentary up for the season 5 finale of Boongo's Trade Dogs. Short version of my thoughts about that episode. I hated that finale. I really did not like this season. But we'll talk about all that another time. The season 5 finale commentary is up right now for free on my Patreon. Link is in the description. While I finish editing that commentary for YouTube, Substack, and wherever you get your podcasts, I wanted to share something. So what follows is a recording I did on Sunday, September 17, 2023, with some additional thoughts and reactions I had to the season's penultimate episode, Season 5, Episode 10, Episode 60 overall, titled Land of Inhuman Demons Part 3. I recorded the following before the Season 5 finale trailer came out, so some of my reactions are likely now out of date or disproven by stuff from the trailer and the season finale itself. I have retained most of what I thought was most pertinent about Season 5 Episode 10, and which I think remains valuable for archival purposes, as to what I was thinking at the time before we found out what the rest of the season had in store for the audience. There are timestamps in the description for topics discussed, especially to get around the parts where I'm just ranting about how much I have not liked how this season turned out. As with just about all of Season 5, there are the typical spoiler and content warnings. There is a spoiler warning for all of Bungo Stray Dogs, and I do mean all of it, up to Chapter 110 of the Bungo Stray Dogs manga and the finale of Season 5 as well as a spoiler warning for the films, stage plays, light novels, and audio dramas. Also, content warnings for discussing an anime and a manga with representations of violence, gun violence, stabbing, blood loss, broken limbs, dismemberment, death, war, and suicide. Thank you ahead of time for listening, and I hope you'll be back next time as I talk about the season finale. With all that out of the way, let's listen to what I had to say way back on Sunday, September 17, 2023, about Season 5, Episode 10. Before we get to expectations for Season 5, Episode 11, let's do a follow-up to stuff I missed in Season 5, Episode 10, other people's thoughts, and how this episode has been a bad reflection for the season as a whole. I have another disclaimer. I despise very online people who say, I called it, or I predicted that. No. You looked at evidence and came to a conclusion, a quality one or a bad one, about what you thought may happen in the story. And it just so happened that your conclusion, a quality one or a bad one, aligns with what happened in the story. You didn't predict the tropes. Just because what you expected matched what happened doesn't suddenly increase the quality of the work. Because, God, there are people who quote-unquote predicted stuff in Season 5, and it turned out to be as bad in quality as those people thought. I can think of maybe one friend I know who anticipates stuff that then turns out to happen in Boongo, and usually my friend imagines a better version of what happens. So it ends up being my friend both knows how to write these stories really well, but also what they write ends up being better than what happens in Boongo, so 
I get doubly disappointed reading a really good version by my friend and then seeing a shoddier version in the anime. As one example, my friend anticipated Bram Stoker having a daughter, and they have a really good story for Bram and that daughter. And then Bungo reveals Aya reminds Bram of his daughter, and the execution in the anime is just not as good. So, that's one long diatribe to get to this point. If anything I say here, where I try to anticipate what will happen, matches what does happen in the episode, that's not me predicting anything. I took a guess based on the evidence. It just happened to match what happened in the anime. That's not predicting. I didn't call anything. I just took a guess based on the evidence, and it happened to match what happened. It's a coincidence, not future sight. With that disclaimer out of the way, let's start in a weird place with a really weird idea I have about what may happen in the rest of this story. So please bear with me as this idea is bizarre. I want to talk about Aya, because while her importance to this arc is obvious, she is our new outsider character, our new audience surrogate, she has a dynamic that brings out more complexity to Bram, she already has an affiliation with Kunikida and hence the agency. It has been a bizarre addition to this story, as she was in one OBA that Studio Bones didn't even care to integrate well into the overall story. It works better in the manga where a character from a while ago can come back when unexpected, such as, for example, Katai, but I wonder whether there is a deeper reason why Aya is here. I don't have all the fans online to cite, but I have read various theories over the last few years about how Aya looks similar to Chuya, so people thought maybe they were related. And the OVA that introduced Aya also had Chuya there, for what seemed to be no reason, as he wasn't in the original manga chapter that was adapted for the OVA. It just seemed like an excuse to add Chuya here for fan service. So, what if they are related? But then I had a weirder thought. Beyond the physical similarities and coincidental appearance in the OVA, think about the other similarities. Chuya's dad worked for the government. Aya's dad works as a cop. So, Aya's dad may be a cop as a cover for something bigger, maybe a bigger role in the government, such as what the government did to Chuya. So, spoilers for the light novel Stormbrainer, but we learn in that novel that the government kidnapped the original Chuya to use for experiments, and the results were a ton of Chuya clones, and the Chuya we have been following throughout the anime is very likely a clone, and the original Chuya died. And the clone we have been following in the anime has his gravity ability implanted into him by the government, so gravity ability, and Aya is about to jump off this building, and she is hoping to use gravity to pull that sword out of Bram. Chuya, gravity ability, Aya trying to use gravity to help Bram. You see where I'm going with this? We already know that there were multiple Chuya clones made. Are we going to find out Aya was another one? Does she have some gravity ability? I keep thinking the anime is going to reveal her ability is called Flowing, taking the name of a work of literature by the real-life Aya Koda, and Bungo Aya already looks so similar to her dead sister, 
and her dad is pretty insistent on I am meeting the expectations of being as good as that dead sister and that dead mother. Is this going to be an Evangelion situation where the reason her dad is so obsessed with Aya acting more and more like her dead mom and her dead sister is to try to imitate the people her dad clones? I think one reason Aya's dad is so weird about comparing Aya to her sister and her mother is that she is a clone of them. Who knows, maybe this even ties into why Bran thinks Aya looks like his daughter. Maybe that's who she was cloned from, and maybe it is from the same experiments that created Chuya. Or maybe I've rewatched too much Venture Brothers. This is why I tell you that predictions are bullshit. If the story matches even a part of what I expected, I pulled this idea together out of flimsy evidence. This is a wild interpretation of the evidence presented. Not me predicting, just me throwing stuff against the wall. But enough about me getting a prediction very likely wrong. Let's continue this follow-up to Season 5 Episode 10 with other stuff I got wrong. I don't know whether I can say I got this next part wrong, so much as it was a petty complaint on my part, and probably not worth me whining over it. I had said there was no good reason why Dazai couldn't get out of the elevator and had to leave it to Sigma, but at best, I can let this go. Like I said, I was being petty. Yes, this is for plot reasons, and I don't like that, but it is mitigated by two points. First, we do need Sigma to be the underdog in this fight. It's just disappointing that Sigma screws up in such a spectacularly bad fashion. I can't fault the story for starting him on that road. I can only fault the story for making him fall for such a stupid trap that, based on what we have seen of him, he wouldn't have. Second, while I do believe that Dazai could have escaped the elevator as well, if he couldn't leverage himself to push Sigma out through the doors, I think he could have pushed himself out as well. There is nothing in the story to say that he didn't. He very well may have tried to escape the elevator the same way he threw out Sigma. After all, Dazai's leg is broken. It is just as likely he leapt out to reach the doors than when grabbing onto the elevator, Shaft still broke a leg, whether at the jump or banging against the door on his way out. I'm not a medical doctor or a physicist, so I say this is believable to someone like me who lacks the medical or physics knowledge to say whether this is realistic. But I find that more believable than thinking, oh, does I reach the bottom of the elevator shaft and only broke his leg? Nah, if that elevator hit the ground floor, Dazai is not walking away with only a broken leg. He would have knocked his head enough times to and be dead already. And if it turns out Dazai did actually die in the elevator shaft, but that his ability lets him come back to life because he is immortal or a zombie, or just regenerates and comes back to life after fatal injuries, I'm going to be irate if that is how he ends up surviving an actual gunshot to the head. Again, predictions are bullshit. What I said is based on flimsy evidence. It's not a solid theory. And speaking of Dazai's death scene, there were differences I didn't get into between the manga and the anime. I'm still the opinion that both the manga and the anime were working off of Asagiri's script and went in different directions. 
While there are similarities between the chapters and Season 5 Episode 10 in other spots, such as the weirdly dull way of revealing Bram sees Aya as his daughter, there are substantial differences in how Dazai is killed. In the manga, we see Chuya fire only one shot into Dazai's head. In the anime, depending on whether that repeated gunshot sound is real or just artistic license for an echoing repeating effect of that one gunshot, Chuya shot Dazai repeatedly after he was dead, like Dazai shooing that security guard after he was dead in the 15 light novel adaptation. But that's not the weirdest change. In the anime, Dazai just falls over dead. In the manga though, Dazai remains sitting up and keeps talking before finally dying. And Theodore watches that and doesn't say, hey, wait a minute, people don't keep talking after that kind of a bullet shot. So is this change done to make it clear that Dazai is dead? Or is this change done because it was silly to have Dazai still talking? We'll have to see what happens in this week's episode. I also want to do a follow-up to Season 5 Episode 10 based on a review I read. Rebecca Silverman at Anime News Network reviewed Season 5 Episode 10. I'm going to pause here for emphasis. I appreciate Silverman's review of Season 5 Episode 10. I'm going to disagree with her argument and it is only because I think we honestly just don't agree on how we regard this episode. It is nothing at all personal, even though I'm certain I'm going to be passionate and pissy towards this episode, but it is not being pissy at all to her review, which, if this makes any sense, I agree with how she reached her conclusions based on the evidence presented, but I reach a different conclusion from looking at that same evidence and bring up counter-arguments to Silverman's point. So again, I may sound really pissy in what follows. That's at the anime, not at Silverman or her review. Okay, just wanted to put that out there for emphasis. So let's get on with this. I quibble with one point that Silverman's review makes that I take as not an intentional counter argument to what I have been saying in these reviews, but something that is an unintentional counter argument that unintentionally challenges what I have been saying. So, I am citing Silverman here so that I can try to clarify my argument and strengthen it. For Anime News Network, Silverman points out that the swift pace of Season 5, Episode 10 means that the audience doesn't have time to process their calm or panic at any moment. Okay, if the point of the story is to feel like a horror story, then I don't think it's very effective at that either. The addendum to Silverman's Coward argument was that it doesn't let the audience process what is happening, which, as I read that, I thought, then that sounds like bad writing in Bungo Stray Dogs because you're not letting the audience follow what is happening. It's just inundating an audience with emotions that don't go anywhere. It's chaotic. You may say that the point is, no, you can still follow the action in the story, just not what you're feeling. Put a pin in that, Silverman does point out how the story is also making sure you can't follow what is happening either. Is the chaos here to imitate how the characters feel? I know that an argument that complains about literature because it manipulates the audience's emotions is a silly argument. It's literature, of course it manipulates your emotions. 
That is one way people understand what makes literature work. But in a lot of my analysis of literature, I prefer actually reassessing a story to see how it is crafted, not basing the quality of the art on emotional shock value alone. I want to see how it contributes to a feeling that one audience member may have, and I do get judgmental when it isn't that clever a trick how the story plays with that emotion, and telling me that the author throws a lot at the viewer just to overwhelm them is not a very clever way to get the audience to feel anxious. It's an obvious method that doesn't seem that inventive. The counter-argument that I'm reading into Silverman's review then wraps up with how things are so chaotic so that you don't notice the little ways in which the agency can still pull off a victory. Since the desk is now hanging near Atushi, and I honestly don't get Silverman's point, unless Aya falling down is going to give him some power-up, I don't see how that desk near Atushi is going to help, and that we don't necessarily see Dazai shot in the head. When, between the manga and the anime, no, something did impact Dazai's forehead. It's just a question now whether it was an actual bullet or just some paint or blood smudged there to imitate a gunshot, so that detail is indeed open to debate. I think what is rankling me the most is the argument seems to be this episode's events are all chaotic, so you don't notice these Chekhov's guns and potential explanations, and how it assumes I didn't already read these fan theories weeks ago when chapters 109 and 110 came out. And I don't direct this rankling at Silverman, I'm directing it at myself and how I'm interpreting her review and getting defensive. Because even if these details are hanging there in the story, they were hanging there as well in the manga. We know they are there. Having the swift pace in the anime doesn't somehow make them more obvious to the audience, and that makes the twist more annoying. I hinted in the previous audio commentary that I wish this anime adaptation imitated the process of reading, whether reading the manga or reading a book. Everyone reads differently, so it's not like that is ever possible. And it is just as likely this season is imitating reading Dime Store novels more than it is imitating reading quote-unquote highbrow literature. You're here for the twist and want to be thrilled and wondering, is this character dead or not? I don't care. Honestly, I see people obsessed whether Dazai is really dead, and I don't care. He's cheated death enough times. What I care about is whether this arc just ends already, or whether Fukuchi is moving on to phase three of his plan, and this arc won't end for another season of more of this crap. So, I just said this is not like reading highbrow literature. But even lowbrow and middlebrow literature can be read for the craft, the artwork, the interpretation. I don't get that feeling in the last two or three episodes. It's been a roller coaster full of peaks and valleys privileging shock value over substance or emotional weight, which means. It's not actually a roller coaster with peaks and valleys. There aren't really any valleys to make the peaks mean anything. The previous episode just kept building up and up and up without pauses to let a moment rest. 
sidebar in case I don't bring it up elsewhere, so I should say in here now. I can't feel anything at the stark change in audio and visuals when Dazai gets shot dead, because the story has not let any moment linger to let this stark, quick change of pace mean anything. Dazai is shot, and it doesn't shock me, because I have whiplash from the shock of the elevator escape, the shock of one order unsealed, the shock of Sigma gain stabs, and the barely any shock of the stupid desk not pulling out Bram's sword, that I can't feel shock here with Dazai when everything else leaves a monotony of shocks where it just becomes a consistent static cling rather than a deadly electrocution. I remember one person online, I regret that I don't have a link in front of me to their remarks, pointing out that even the sound editing didn't let a moment of quiet persist where it needed to, probably with regard to Dazai getting shot before we cut to the next scene, or that inundating music that just can't let Aya push the damn table. I mean, for crying out loud, we are trying to turn pushing a table into an epic moment which it can be, but then the episode ends with a whimper saying, nope, table just hanging there, that didn't work, time for Aya to get herself killed jumping off the building. And I will repeat because Silverman's review brings this up as well, where are the other characters who could be helping the agency right now? While I will keep whining that this season was rushed, I also can't ignore another problem. What actually happened in the last two seasons? I mean, when I did the audio commentary for Season 5, Episode 10, I went through a long list of everything that happened in that episode, from Aya's flashback, to Sigma escaping the elevator, to Akutagawa tearing apart Atashi, to Fyodor claiming to have multiple personalities, to Sigma passing out, to Chuya shooting Dazai dead, to Aya and the desk. But what happened in the story? We're told a vampire outbreak happens, and yet everyone seems to be normal about this international incident. Airport travel is still happening. Aya's dad doesn't mind sending her to the airport. Gee, it's almost like a metaphor for how no one gives a shit about COVID anymore. There are wars and nations collapsing, and people are still going about their day. Gee, it's almost like a metaphor for certain people in certain countries ignoring how political destabilization war for resources, human trafficking, and climate destruction are upsetting any order in the world. The agency is on the run, but they get to hide in Poe's book or Lucy's room. The mafia is wiped out, but the anime cuts that it was Mori on his lonesome bringing Kenji and Tanazaki back to the agency, so we don't see how depleted the mafia's numbers are. I guess what I'm trying to say is, the characters are remarkably still themselves despite everything that is happening. That should tell me that they are used to this madness more than, say, Aya and Sigma are. But it does not feel believable that no one is bothered by any of this. We get almost zero interiority from Yosano after she is recovered and after facing off against Hachihara. We even cut some stuff from the manga where Atushi and Tanazaki are shocked when it's Yosano pointing out how brutal war is during Rompo's meeting before going to the airport so we don't get her interiority. And we cut interiority from other characters too. We cut Kunikita's line from the manga about how he cried for two hours after being reunited with everyone. 
and we don't hear Fukuzawa's perspective about Fukuchi before he faces him in combat. My point is, the rushing seems to be not just to get through plot beats, but also to get through any emotional developments. It was most apparent when we give quick narration by Atushi asking Ango why Akutsugawa sacrificed himself to save him. And I would deign the anime more severely for that flaw, but that's pretty much how it was presented in the manga as well, so I deign Asagiri for this lackluster choice. If you can't figure out some good conversation Ango and Atushi can have, two characters who haven't really interacted that much, both with different regard for Dazai, then I don't know what the point is to even mention it. I'm struggling to put this into words, what I mean by the pace being rushed but the characterization not advancing. Someone on the anime news network forum named Cam Zero says it more succinctly than I do. Please check out their remarks, link is in the description. I also will have more to say about this season and its overall pace after the season finale whether in its own dedicated essay or podcast or videos, so please look forward to that on my WordPress, YouTube, and Substack. And that's everything I had to say way back on Sunday, September 17, 2023. Thank you for listening to those follow-up thoughts about Season 5, Episode 10. Before we wrap up, let me quickly reflect on what I said. I made those remarks on Sunday, September 17, 2023, the season 5 finale came out on Wednesday, September 20th, 2023. To spoil the season 5 finale a bit, what I thought about Aya did not pan out, at least not yet. And we got just a little bit more insight as to why Dazai was still talking in the manga after he was shot. Assuming, however, that the anime and the manga are going to tell the same story, and there is evidence that the season finale of the anime is diverging from how events will play out in the manga. As of when I'm recording now, Saturday, September 23rd, 2023, the chapter after chapter 110 of the manga is not out yet, so we don't know whether that anime slash manga divergence will happen. So, I'll leave that as the question for now. Do you think the manga will go in a different direction with what happens to Aya and Dazai? Not to spoil the anime season finale too much, but I really hope so, because the payoff for Dazai is a little too clean, whereas the conclusion for Aya is just underwhelming. So let me know what you hope for in the manga in the comments section, or email me, derek.s.mcgrath at gmail.com. If you have enjoyed my remarks, please consider contributing at coffee.com slash derek.s.mcgrath, or patreon.com slash Derek S. McGrath. Special thanks to Alec Roach, Emily Lauer, and Alexis Duran. The audio commentary for the Season 5 finale is up now on Patreon for free. Link is in the description. I will share that audio commentary on YouTube, Substack, and wherever you get your podcasts soon, along with a Season 5 retrospective. Until then, I've been Derek S. McGrath. You have a good day. Bye.